Hey guys, welcome to episode 56 of the Mimi B Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and you're listening to the Mimi B Magazine podcast, a lifestyle podcast all on health, relationships, sex, career, and self-development. This podcast is designed to entertain, inspire, and to motivate you to become the best version of yourself possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, I'm here with Jared Getz today. He is a millionaire e-commerce entrepreneur and CEO of Ecom Hacks Academy in Florida. Welcome, Jared. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on here. So I was just talking to Jared before starting recording this, and I actually found him on Instagram. He randomly popped up on my stories, I think, or like I was watching um, something, and he popped up, and he was super motivational and inspirational, and I checked out his page, and I thought he'd be perfect to have on the podcast because we like motivational people here. So should we just get started and get into your story and how you got to where you are today and kind of you know, your whole experience the past few years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing these days how Instagram connects so many people. Um, so I'm glad you ran across that on there. But yeah, I'll, I'll dive right in. Just um, I'll give a, a little recap on uh, kind of where I've been and my story and, you know, how I got to where I am now and where we're going. Uh, you know, I grew up in New York. I had a single mother, only child, one bedroom apartment. You know, she worked more than one job. I had you know I had a great childhood, happy with it, but uh, but I wanted something different. You know that was kind of like my driving force. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted, and you know not coming from successful parents or you know not seeing it firsthand, like entrepreneurship and uh, and people succeeding in what they do, you grow up with beliefs that it's possible for some people, but mo- you know deep down inside in your subconscious, not really possible for you. Uh, and you got to break those barriers. I didn't even know they existed back then. Um, I was very naive and I just wanted to do anything, really. I wanted to, whatever I could do to make money and have freedom, I wanted to do. Whatever opportunities came my way, I, I jumped on. So I was always trying a bunch of things. Um, I guess the first thing that really worked for me was when I was 21, I started a concert promotion company and we were hiring big artists like Lupe Fiasco and Steve Aoki. And uh, we were booking these venues and selling tickets and we actually, we did pretty well, but, uh, but we found out that the artists that we we're paying were, were basically, you know, 60 to 70% of the budget. So we want to figure out how to throw shows and make, you know, make similar money, but not have to pay the artists all that money. So we actually created our own show and called it Electric Flurry. It was the world's largest foam party. And with that, we basically got these giant foam cannons. But have you ever heard of a foam party before? Yes. <laughs> Nothing I would go to these days, but back then it was, you know, it was cool. We we got these giant foam cannons that would shoot foam, you know, 200 feet in the air. And we got, you know, circus acts and fire breathers. And we created this cool show and it started getting really big. So we took it around the country. And when I was 21 years old, I made about a million dollars, which really helped me, you know, break those beliefs that it's not possible for me. That's crazy. Uh, but- oh my goodness. Yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, it was, it was crazy. But then when I was 22, uh, I lost everything. I, you know, I got in over my head. I didn't have the emotional intelligence needed to continue to grow, um, to continue to take things to the next level. I booked things that were too big. We lost everything. And then I ended up getting sued for $250,000 when I had no money. That was like my rock bottom point. And it oh gave, my gosh. 
it, yeah, I had, um, there's an investor who gave us some money for a show and he was 21 years old. We were friends and he had inherited $51 million. Um, obviously not gonna mention any names, but he gave me, you know, he wanted to be a famous DJ. So he invested in the show and then we ended up losing all the money and he sued me to because long story, but he couldn't access his trust fund unless he tried to recover the money. My and it put me in a really tough position because I couldn't even afford a lawyer at the time. You know, I had no money. I had all my hopes and dreams were, were you know, rock bottom. I, I didn't know what to do. I was stressed beyond belief. And uh, and then I got a good opportunity. I, have you ever heard of a startup company called Yik Yak by any chance? I know the name. I don't know what it is. Um, it was the fastest rising startup of 2014. It was a social media app. It's kind of like Twitter. Yeah, I think I uploaded that like ages ago and then deleted it. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a fad and it went really viral. But I was one of the first employees there. Long story short, they reached out to me when they raised their Series A. Uh, they raised ten million dollars and they wanted to start sponsoring college based events. So they reached out to me about Electric Flurry and they said, "Hey, we're interested in sponsoring your shows. We want to get more users on our app." Um, so I was thinking first. I was thinking maybe I can leverage this. I can like you know book a tour. They could fund it. And then I was thinking like in their best interest, if they just use the same techniques I was using to promote these shows. But to get people on a free app, I think it would work really well. So I presented them with this idea and they asked me to come work for them. And it was, uh, it was cool. I got to, you know, I, I came on board and in the first two to three months, I had to plan out like basically a world tour, tra- traveling to different universities all around the world. Um, first, we went on the West Coast of the US and then we were in England, Ireland, New Zealand, uh, Australia, like going to all these universities and, and making the app get popular. And we, we did like a critical mass of users. And then once we hit that certain number, like it would, it would continue to grow. Uh, so that went really well. We took the company from 100,000 users at the time to over 10 million users. Uh, and the valuation skyrocketed. And I actually made an exit. I sold my shares, uh, which gave me kind of gave me, you know, a little bit of cushion again to go and try to do business again. Uh, from there, have you ever seen, I'm assuming you've seen hoverboards, mm-hmm. things, things people ride around. Um, I was one of the first people to bring those to the U.S. So I got an opportunity to bring those from China. Um, we we got the – I mean, so imagine seeing a hoverboard before ever anyone had ever seen them before. They were like a miraculous invention. You know, you're, you're standing on this thing and it's like balancing and it's moving you around and it's like a mini Segway. And so I, I got one before anyone else had ever seen one. And the reaction I got from people was like – was ridiculous. So I started selling them. I, I built a Shopify site. This was my first journey into e-commerce. I had no idea what I was doing. I built a Shopify site. And when people would ask me, where do you get that thing? How much does it cost? I would just hand them a business card. And, you know, it was, I was selling maybe two or three a week and we were making like a thousand dollar profit on each one. So I was like, you know, st- we were starting to make some money. And, uh, and I ended up, I was getting obsessed with how do I sell 1000 of these and make a million dollars? And I was obsessed with that question. I knew it was possible. I didn't know how. And I was just asking everyone, everyone I knew I was obsessing over how do I sell more of these? And I ended up getting connected with a bunch of social media influencers out in LA who, when I showed them the product, they were so shocked and amazed by it. I asked them if we could sell a thousand and they said we could sell 10,000. Now it was a group of kids. They each had like 10 million followers and they, you know, really loyal fans. Um, so long story short, we partnered with them. We started selling a mass amount of these hoverboards. We created a really cool brand to a point where Mark Cuban actually called my cell phone uh, one day on a, on a Sunday and told me he really liked our brand and wanted to work with us. So that's, that's insane. 
Yeah, it was uh, basically. How do you get your number? <laughs> well, what happened was the I, I saw on the news that he was looking to buy the patent on that product. I didn't have a patent on it. I was just getting them from China. So I, that was like, this could be either really bad for us or really good for us. Because I was all in in this project back then. You know, it was all I had. So I actually reached out to him on his social media app. He has an app called Cyberdust, where if you send mm. him a message, it just disappears. So I was like, you know, I'm going to shoot him a dust. That's what it's called. Or, or I think that's what you call it, a dust. You send him a message. And I sent him one and he replied. And he's like, yeah, I've heard of your brand. Let's chat. And like, I've always been like fascinated by Mark Cuban, always watched Shark Tank. Like, I was like, no way. He answered me. And then I was like, well, let me, uh, let me just see if I can get his phone number. I'll shoot him a text. And I asked him for his phone number and he gave it to me. And I was like, wow, like shocked. Gave me his phone number. I sent him a text and I think it was on like a, a Wednesday or something. I sent him a text and he said, yeah, let's chat on Friday. And I was like, you know, I was all excited. I couldn't wait to talk to him. And, um, you know, Friday comes along and I got no call from him. And he ends up texting me like late Friday night. Like, hey, sorry, I got caught up with the family. I'll call you tomorrow. And I was actually back home at the time visiting my my family and friends. And it was Saturday. And I'm like, all right, I'm waiting for Mark Cuban to call me. I don't want to go do something and like miss this call or be out of my element. And all of Saturday goes by and no phone call. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, I've, I've waited two days for him to call me. He hasn't called me. Um, I'm just going to go and, you know, go out and have fun with my friends. And the next, you know, we went out on Saturday night. And, you know, I was 24 years old. And right now I'm 28. But I was 24 at the time. So I still like to go out and have fun and, like, drink. And, you know, like, you know, that was kind of my lifestyle back then. Not too much. But every once in a while, I was at home visiting my friends. And I was actually, on Sunday, I was really hungover and I was not feeling very well. And I was, you know, when you're just not in your the right state of mind, I was like tired and didn't want to talk. Totally. Of course, right when I was at my low point, I got a text from him saying, I'm calling you in five minutes. <laughs> like, well, no. So I ran outside. I'm like, all right, I got to snap out of it, Jared. He ends up calling me and he's, and he, he, you know, we, we spoke for like 10 minutes. We connected really cool guy. And he gave me an ultimatum. He said, listen, I have the patent coming out in February. It was October at the time. And, and keep in mind, in October, you, you have November and, and December ahead of you, which are the hottest months of the year to sell products. So it was October at the time. We were doing really well. And he tells me that his, his patent's coming out in February. And if we want to work together, we actually need to stop selling these Chinese hoverboards and we have to wait for his patent to come out. So it put me in a, in a dilemma, right? Because we're making a lot of money selling them. But the opportunity to work with Mark Cuban in February was like, I didn't know what to do. And I ended up deciding to stop. I, I halted sales. I, I turned off our website. I sent him a picture of it. And I, I hoped and I waited until February. <laughs> and of course, well, not of course, but what happened was um, in the meantime, between then and February, you know, hoverboards were kind of a fad. And you remember they were really popular for a while and then they kind of went out of style. Mm-hmm. He, um, he didn't end up getting the patent. Long story, we, we ended up missing our opportunity on the hoverboards. But it showed me that you could sell products online and make a lot of money. So I went back out to China. I uh, went to the Canton Fair. And I discovered uh, – the Canton Fair is a giant like trade show with products and suppliers, 60,000 vendors. It's like 25 days long. Like it takes – How did you find out about this? Like how – really quickly, how did you like – 
have this network to begin with? Like, how did you figure all of this out? Um, I didn't really have anything. I just kind of did a little research. Uh, I knew there was products in China. I didn't really know much about it, but I, I you always, just booked a ticket and went to check it out. Yeah, exactly. Just booked a cool. ticket, like got a visa and just like went there and just figured, you know, going with good intentions and something good will happen. Cool. And yeah, I went out there and I started learning the value of products and like, you know, for example, you buy a Sonicare toothbrush at the store. It's like $150. In China, you can get the exact same thing with no brand for like $2. So I was like starting to see the the gap in the market. So I was getting fascinated by products and what we can brand to bring here. Uh, and I ended up bringing some viral products back here. And I was um, importing and I was bootstrapping the whole business. So I'd send money out to China. They'd ship us products. We put it in a warehouse I had teams going to trade shows. I had teams, you know, we were selling on Amazon, selling on Shopify. And I was I was really grinding. For about two years, I was just grinding, moving products. And but after about two years, I had done maybe like two million dollars in sales, which wasn't, you know, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't that good. And I maybe profited like, you know, two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand dollars. And I was working my butt off. I was like, you know, I was grinding 16 hours a day traveling you know it wasn't the best lifestyle so i was i was actually at a trade show um and i had just finished a three-day long trade show and this is after two years of doing this and i was exhausted you know trade shows you're there you're talking to people you're selling your energy is going into all these other people and after three days you know you break down the, the booth setup all that stuff i was in my hotel it was midnight and i was about to go to sleep and it the next morning i had a flight at seven o'clock in the morning I'm in Dallas in my hotel, about to go to sleep, and I get an email on my phone, and it says, "How to sell products without ever touching or seeing inventory." And that, like, you know, this was probably about two and a half to three years ago now, and I was like, "How is that possible? How can you sell products without ever seeing or touching inventory?" And I, that was before I knew about drop shipping. So I was like, "Should I go to sleep or should I, should I open this email?" It's like I'm just going to open it real quick. I opened the email, and it brought me to a webinar. And I was like, ah, all right, fine. I'll just watch the webinar. And I ended up, you know, staying up to like two in the morning watching this webinar. And I was fascinated by the whole business model. I didn't even go to sleep. I ended up going to the airport at 3.30 in the morning and building my dropshipping store with all the knowledge I had learned from, you know, the other products I was selling online. And that store actually grew from zero to $2 million in its first 60 days. And that was... Oh my God. That was my first big win. That's kind of like where I got to... In uh, in my e-commerce journey, that was like, okay, I've I've done something good here. Um, from there, I mean, you know, we I just kept launching new stores and new products, and we went on and did you know tons of sales. Um, started getting some notoriety, you know, just little articles came out, and people were asking me, how do you do this? How do you do that? So I naturally created some videos to show my friends how to do it all, and ended up packaging it together and putting it into a course. Uh, and we started selling a course and now, you know, over the last year we have, you know, 3000 plus students. Uh, we have a community on Facebook of about 25,000 people. Our email list is about a quarter million people in our e-commerce community. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, at this point we're, we're here, we're running, you know, I run seven stores and so we have our information business and we're creating software and tools for people in the e-commerce space. That is so cool. And how long from the day that you started your first e-commerce business to now, how many years has it taken? Well, if you count the hoverboards and the other viral products, it's been about five years. 
but mm-hmm. if you count just drop shipping, it's been about two and a half to three years. That is so amazing. So do you think that e-commerce is just like the future of shopping? Do you think that, you know, physical stores are going to die out? I mean, it's already starting to happen. There will be stores that don't die out like Home Depot and, you know, stores that people need to go to, but they're going to, you know, in my opinion, a lot of things are going to happen. Um, first of all, Amazon is, is like taking over, but um, you know, Amazon in the US, one click, it gets to your door in two days. You can't beat that. And almost every product's on there. But what they're doing is they're exploiting uh, a lot of their sellers. So you can be selling a product on Amazon and it's selling really well. And you're moving, you know, hundreds of units a day. You don't get any of that data. So you don't know who your customers are. And if you're in e-commerce, you know that data is, and data in the future is going to be like oil. You know, that's going to be like what's valuable. So what they do is if something's doing really well, they'll create their own brand and put it online. And, and outsell you. So Amazon is, you know, just so it's so user friendly and so good for people that everyone's using it. But, uh, but e-commerce for sure, inevitably has been growing at a ridiculous rate and it's going to continue to grow. Um, and for people that want to figure out how to, you know, do something on the side, I think it's, it's a no brainer, like to learn e-commerce, you know, it's, it, it's so accessible these days too. Like all the tools and softwares out there, it's pretty easy to get, like get things set up. Mm, how like if you didn't know what you wanted to sell, but you knew that you wanted to get into the e-commerce business, like how would you figure that out? That's the thing with anything, right? Like if you try to figure things out in your head, you're never going to get started and do something. You just need to kind of do something. And then with every action, there's a reaction. And with every reaction, you kind of learn something new and there's an experience. So you need to just dive in and, and either model what someone else is doing or try what you think is good or try what you like, you know. But once you get started, when you get started with something, you always have an end point in mind. Like you, you see yourself getting somewhere. But in my experience and from what I've seen in others, you almost never get to that end point. It's almost like you end up somewhere else, but that somewhere else is almost always better than what you had in mind. So, you know, you don't have to figure it all out in your head first. You don't need a plan from A to B to C to D to E to F to G. Just start moving. Just start somewhere. Yeah. And, and, and with that momentum, you'll learn something. You'll see something. You'll see some kind of opportunity. Um, and as you do more things, you start to develop an opportunistic viewpoint. You know, like as you start to learn things, you get to see opportunities that you wouldn't have seen if you didn't learn the things that you learned. You know what I mean? Totally know what you mean. I completely agree. I think taking risks is like the biggest thing ever. I moved to London from Toronto when I was like 18 um, on a whim. You know, I left school or I was 19. Yeah, I was 19. Sorry. (laughs) I left uni. I dropped out after a year and I was like, this is not for me. I'm so much more entrepreneurial. Like I don't like anybody here. Like the party culture is just too much and I don't want to end up like everybody else around me, not in a mean way, but just like I had such bigger dreams and visions and goals. So I left and I ended up traveling a bit and really just had this gut feeling when I went to London that I needed to move there. And, you know, fast forward three years, it's done wonders for my business and myself. And I'm literally living the life of my dreams. And it's literally from just taking that one step and that one risk. And I just, I had just listening to your gut because I had that gut feeling and I didn't know why. And I kind of was trying to figure it out for so long when I first moved to London and it just like fell into place. You know what I mean? So 
I think a lot of people are just think into it too much and they, they're just so scared and, and nervous, you know, and I, and especially now, because, you know, I, I think everybody wants more now with social media and stuff too. Like you can ask like a third grader, like, Oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're like, Oh, I want to be a YouTuber or something. Or, you know, it's not really like the typical job anymore. So I just, I, I think there's a lot of competition now as well with social media, especially. So just taking the risk will just, you know, put you, stand you out of the crowd. You know what I mean? Well, I I think that, you know, it's almost like taking a risk if you don't do those things that your, that your gut is telling you to do. Like, totally you'd be taking a huge risk had you not moved to london it's like why wouldn't you especially if you don't want to be like the people and you don't want to fit into the culture of what you're doing it's the the biggest risk is staying where you are because you're either you're going to do what you don't want to do or you're hedging the risk that things are going to change which they're probably not so it would just be a risk not to move and like and knowing that you don't want to be like that and you if you don't, if you know what you don't want to be like, definitely don't surround yourself with people like that. 100%. That's the best advice ever. So when I was in uni, I actually read this book and it completely brought this like insanely motivated part of me out that I've always really had. Like I always knew that I wanted to live a different life. Like I always knew I didn't want a typical job as like a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor. Like I always wanted more. And um, I always wanted to be, you know, my own boss and everything. So I read this book called The Success Principles by Jack Canfield um, in my second semester of uni. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's incredible. It's like the Bible to me. It's like a book of 67 principles. And if you follow all of them, you are 100% going to be successful. And it's amazing. Um, so I read that book. And yeah, one of the chapters spoke about, you know, you're an average of the five people that you surround yourself with most. And honestly, I looked around myself and I was like, okay, all these people are not gonna, you know, turn out the way that I want to. And, you know, not to say that that's I, I hate, you know, I hate saying that because I don't want them people to think that I'm judging them if they want to be a doctor or a teacher or a lawyer or something. But it's like, just Go with your gut about what you actually want to achieve in life. And for me, it, it wasn't that and it wasn't being in that environment. And I what I didn't want to be the average of the five people that I was surrounded by most. So I ended up spending a lot of time alone and just like really, you know, <laughs> read all these books and and ambushed my mind with like knowledge and mentors and all these, you know, people that that I was really inspired by. And it was totally life-changing. So you're so right. Like you can't think that you're going to turn out a different way if you're just surrounding yourself with people that are really not on the right track. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners uh, are in their development journey, you know, and and just anyone in life is always on a journey, right? Like it's not like you figure it out and you're finally there. So, you know, everyone who's listening, who's kind of at their early stages, um, who want a practical way of, you know, an actual system, systemized way of, of surrounding yourself with people and a way to think about it that's not so conceptual. Um, I like to do something like where I kind of bucket groups of people in my life. Um, not to sound, you know, like fake or anything. It's just how it's how I think about it. And it, it could be useful to some people. But, you know, there's I, I like to group people in three different groups. Group one is people you grew up with and, you know, people who you know, you've went to school with and you know them and, you know, you, you care about some of them and some of them care about you. 
but they're not necessarily doing, you know, maybe, maybe a very small percentage of them are, but most of them aren't doing what you want to be doing. They're doing, you know, all the things that you don't want to be doing. Like, like they, you know, maybe are, are working jobs that you don't want to be working or whatever it is. That's group one. Um, group two is, you know, people who are kind of at your level right now. They're on your playing field. They may be a little bit ahead of you financially, but maybe you're a little bit ahead of them spiritually. But either way, they're on a quest to grow and you're in the same realm. You know, you're similar. And then group three is people who you aspire to be like. You know, if you want to be a famous actress, it's like, you know, Halle Berry or maybe not that big. But, you know, people that are like ahead of where you want to be. Maybe, you know, you want to be a family man and have a, a beautiful, happy, loving family. And this person is just so advanced. And you could tell that the way they, he, they interact with their family is, is 10 out of 10, right? Those are people that you want to be like. So you kind of need to accept the fact that you need to not really uh, spend much time with group one. You know, if there's people that, that care. The problem with group one is that a lot of them in the back of their minds want to be doing what you're doing, but they're almost looking at you as a case study and hoping that what you do doesn't work. Not that they hope it doesn't work consciously because they don't like you. They almost hope it doesn't work because they don't want them. They don't want to feel like they're doing the wrong thing. So if you surround yourself with them too much and you're talking about things that you're doing, you have to kind of level down and bring your energy down. So you don't really want to spend much time with group one. Um, you know, you can wish them a happy birthday, catch up every once in a while, be a true, genuine person and provide value where you could, but don't spend much of your time with group one. Group two is where you want to like live. You know, you want to interact with every day, ask your advice, give advice, give value, you know, be, be around, hang out with. Um, those are people that you're, you know, that are keeping you at, at your level. They're going to, they're going to be able to see things eye to eye and they're going to be happy for you when you win all that stuff. And then, Group three are people that you're really trying trying to go out of your way to make be your friend because they're looking at you know you go out of your way to send them flowers on their birthday or you go out of your way to go up to them at an event and tell them that you admire them but like but in in a not not creepy way you know be like you basically do your best to be friends with those people and bring them into your circle because the more you hang around them the more you're going to be like them so that's kind of what I use in a practical way to to, to think about, you know, to think about who you want to be around because everyone has so many people in their lives, especially these days with social media. Like you said, we're at a time where we've never in the world history have had more interactions and more, um, you know, communication with people before and just not to go too far, but before you could even group out those people, uh, you need to, you kind of need a clear vision of who you want to be. I mean, it doesn't, in the beginning, it doesn't need to be super clear. You could kind of know that you want something different, but eventually you need a clear vision. You need to know, you know, what do you want your life to look like? Where do you want to live? Like, what do you want your home to look like? What kind of financial position do you want to be in? Um, what kind of position with your family do you want to be in? Who do you want to be? And if you have that really clear vision and you write it out and you really know who that is, you know, we all have these little voices in our head, you can call it, or your mind or whatever you want to call it that continuously pull you away from that vision. But if you, if the vision's clear and you know it, you can quiet those things. And you could stay down that path. Um, so I just wanted to see if, you know, I want to just provide value to people who are thinking about those types of things. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it's so important. And so many people just stay in friendships and relationships because it's comfortable. And I think comfort is just like the enemy of, of success. And, you know, it's great to to have awesome friends from your childhood and stuff. But I just, I actually personally, you know, kind of only really kept in touch with two people from my childhood that I really love. And, you know, I, I think it's everything I, I really value who I spend time with and who I give my energy to because it just affects me in such a deep way. Um, so what other kind of like, not habits, because I guess friendships isn't really a habit, but I had a question for you written down here that says, what are some habits that you swear by for your success? So I guess one of them could be just like surrounding yourself with good people, but are there any habits that you kind of do daily even that you blame on your success? Um, Absolutely. I mean, you need routine and habit to get success or else you can, I mean, most people, at least there's some, some wild cards out there that can just kind of go with the flow and they could continuously win and win people over. But, uh, but if you have a lot of uncertainties in your daily life, uh, you can't really focus all of your attention and your energy on the things that really matter. So I think that habits uh, and routines are extremely important. Um, I've really learned that over the last three years more than anything. Um, but yeah, some specific things for me are, uh, and, and, and you know, even though you know that a certain habit or a routine is best for you, it's okay to stray away from it every once in a while. I mean, the longer you, you stick with it, the better you're going to do. But like even myself, I know what my best routine looks like. For example, in the morning, if I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I'm at the gym by 5.30 and I get back, I meditate, I go in my sauna, I write out all my ideas. Um, I know that that day I'm going to, I'm not going to start the day with anxieties and stress and worry and I don't feel behind. I actually feel ahead of the day. And then I go into my interactions because really everything is, everything that happens comes from interactions. You know, you're, and as you grow in business, every interaction has more of an effect. Um, so I know that if I go into my day like that, my conversations are going to be deeper. I'm going to understand better people. I'm going to listen better. I'm going to communicate better. And in turn, we're going to have better results. So I think a morning, I'd probably say the number one thing is a morning routine. Oh my God, Jared, you don't even know. I talk about morning routines all of the time on this podcast. Like I'm obsessed with them. I'm, I'm actually in the middle of creating a planner, like a morning routine journal to like write out certain goals to help you achieve them and stuff. So I'm, I'm so happy you said that because I completely agree with you. It's my number one tip as well. Cause you know, at the end of the day, like your mornings basically set the tone for your entire day and your days set the tone for your weeks and your weeks set the tone for your months and you know, so on. So it literally is such a small thing that changes the entirety of your life. And I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Waking up early, you feel like you have an advantage and then you'll act accordingly. You'll kind of like, you know, change your self image the more you you wake up early and do the right things like work out and meditate, like your self image, you know, slowly starts to change your confidence gets higher and higher and you just become a completely different person. And it's definitely something I notice all the time that like, when I don't do a morning routine, and I don't do it every single day. And, and when I do it, like, I'm just, I'm on fire. I'm, I'm literally unstoppable. When I don't do it, I'm pretty, you know, mediocre. (laughs) So it's, it's definitely one of those things. um, I would say as well is like the number one habit. Right. And, and, and knowing that you're on fire when you have that morning routine, but you still sometimes don't do like I'm the same way. Like actually, 
you know, I had, well, basically, well, actually stepping out on a macro view, like micro, yeah, you, you need a morning routine, but on a macro, like, you know, I like to plan out my entire week on Sunday uh, and, and, and schedule in what time I'm waking up, what time I'm eating breakfast, what time I'm going to the gym, what time I have a work block, what time, you know, all that stuff so that you kind of have a, a clear roadblock and you're not thinking all the time. It's not floating around in your head. You know that you have it all written out and all planned already. Uh, but like you said, sometimes you still don't stick to it, right? Like yesterday, for example, I had somebody in town and we were working and we worked until like, you know, one o'clock in the morning and I was up at 4.30 in the morning. So I was like really tired. So today I actually slept in uh, until like maybe, yeah, until eight o'clock. I had my alarm set at eight o'clock. And that's like pretty late for me where I'm not, I'm not as sharp as I would be if I had woke up at, you know, 4.30. But the thing is, the more you stick to what you know is best for you, you start to develop a muscle and it's, what it comes down to is discipline, right? So what I've also been learning is like the more you, the more you're true to yourself, like even know you're going to wake up at 4.30 every morning for the whole week and you do it for five days in a row, like you do it the whole week you're going to have this deep self-confidence where you really believe in yourself. You, you've, you've been true to yourself. So you know that you could do the things you, you say you're going to do. And that translates into your interactions. That translates into who you are. But if you say, I'm going to wake up at 430 in the morning every day and you do it the first day and then the next day you sleep in and then you fall off that schedule and then you say, oh, I'm going to do it tomorrow and then you don't do it tomorrow, you actually start to deteriorate your, your self-confidence um, and your security. And that is much worse than just, you know, the effect it has on you. It actually has an adverse effect of when you interact with people, like you, you're not as confident as a person. So if you, if you plan to do things that you know are good for you, but you don't actually do it, it's not only the, the direct effects, it has an adverse effect too. Yeah, I completely agree with that because you just feel like a failure and it starts with your morning, which sucks. It's a really crappy feeling to, to feel, you know, in the morning and it just, it's depressing. Also, I think sleeping in just generally for me personally, it just makes me kind of like makes me feel like I don't have an edge. That's what I'm trying to say. Sorry. Um, and right. I don't feel like I have an edge. I just kind of feel like boring and mediocre. And like, I, I don't really act accordingly the rest of the day too, you know? So it just, it's all, it just all adds up. And I think the small micro habits in the morning just literally means so much and count for so much. So what would you say, like what kind of advice would you give to someone that, that is failing with the waking up early thing in the morning, you know, and, and they keep putting their alarm on, but they keep sleeping in. What do you think it's because they don't have like a strong enough why, or like, what would you, what would you tell them? Well, a couple things. Um, number one, they need to be aware of the fact that you know, okay, if you wake up late, you, you're not going to feel as good, right? Obviously, they know that, but they still do it. They need to be aware of the adverse effects. You know, you're not only doing that, but you're training your subconscious to know that you're not true to yourself, which means that you're training your subconscious to not be confident in yourself, which literally means you're going to lose self-confidence. And if you don't have self-confidence, you can't really do anything. So if you equate not waking up early to not being able to do anything, then you have no choice but to wake up early. That's one thing. So you really got to understand that. Number two, uh, and this is something that I do as well, is my why has to be more than just because I want it for me. It has to be for other people. You know, 
Like I want to be successful, not just because I, I want to have freedom and I want to have, you know, material items I want and I want to be able to travel and I want to live my own lifestyle. Like, yeah, of course that's important, but like, I also know that I'll need to support my mom. Right. And I want to be able to be there for my family if they need anything. And I know when I have kids one day that I want them to have the best life ever. So, and you need to think about both of these things daily. You can't just think about it one time because that'll be cool. And you'll probably wake up early the next morning, but it needs to be something you think about every single day. Uh, and then once you kind of do it for, you know, I think they say 21 days forms a habit, things start to get easier after a while. So you got to like push past that first barrier by, by being aware of, of the effects and, uh, and the why. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think just like I, for me personally, when I want to change something, changing other things in my life at the same time kind of helps because I'm just taking myself out of my comfort zone in a few different areas. So I know when I'm eating really healthy and I'm working out every day, I will do better at my business. Like I'll work more. And that's just, is that's just something that actually just happens subconsciously. Um, and I think that's because I'm, I'm being good in many areas and, you know, I'll wake up earlier when I'm doing that as well. So just making sure that you're doing as much as possible to kind of help with that one goal you have is, is so important too. Um, so Jared, what would you say to somebody listening right now that's, you know, motivated, but like doesn't really know what to do in their life and like just kind of feels like they're at this weird stuck um, part in their life and they just don't really know what to do. They're, they're feeling a bit uncertain and just like a bit weird, you know? Yep, yep, yep. I mean, so if you focus on what you need to do, you're not going to – it's not going to naturally happen. You need to actually focus. You need to zoom out and focus on who you need to be. If you could focus, if you could figure out who you want to be and focus on being that person, not just in business, but overall holistically in life, and you focus on being that person, you do the things that that person needs to do to be the best version of themselves, then the things you need to do will start happening naturally. You know, If you focus on the person you need to be, you'll get yourself in a better mindset. And being in a better mindset, you'll see new opportunities. And also, you know, one thing, another thing is like when you're at a low point, the next point is almost always high. So, you know, be excited for that next high point. Uh, and also know that you're, I mean, you'll pretty much never go, you know, what you have in your head and where you see yourself, or even if you don't see yourself somewhere, you're, you're going to go somewhere else. Like you're not going to end up where you are, where you think you're going to be. And when you're looking forward, it doesn't always make sense. You're maybe like, why am I, you know, why am I living in my, my mom's basement right now? This doesn't make sense. But one day you're going to look back and it's all going to make sense. So to be able to internalize those concepts uh, and really, you know, focus on yourself first, not on what you need to do. The things that you need to do will come naturally. Mm. Yeah, you are exactly where you need to be right now. I totally agree with that. And, you know, everything is a lesson as well. Like, you know, I know for a fact that when I've been kind of in those low points, I look back to them and I'm just like, oh my God, I needed to learn that or or I needed to go through that to also appreciate where I am right now even more. Life is just an ebb and flow. It's like the ocean, you know, ups and downs and nothing is, is stagnant. If you're stagnant, you're like dying, you know, it's that you always need to be growing. Absolutely. I mean, let me tell you something. When I, 
when I was 22 years old with a $250,000 lawsuit and no money to afford a lawyer and was at rock bottom and had no, no idea what I could possibly do to get myself out of the situation. And in my brain, I was thinking, I'm going to have to file bankruptcy. I'm going to not be able to ever get a line of credit. Nobody's ever going to trust me in business. You know, I'm getting served with these papers over and over and over again. I started to read so many negative things about myself. I started feeling bad about myself. And, you know, at that point in my life, I thought there was no way out. And looking back, actually what that did for me is it helped me develop a strength to get past obstacles. You know, when something bad happens now, it doesn't seem so bad. It's like when you're working out, you know, you might start with light weights, but eventually you're going to be doing heavy weights and those light weights seem like nothing. So when you're at a low point that you, you can't even figure out a way out, you, you just got to know that there will be, I, I wish I could have told myself this back then, like you, you'll get out of it and it's actually going to make you stronger. Even if you know that you're still going to feel the way you feel, but being aware should be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Awesome. So I have a question I sometimes ask um, some of my guests at the end of the episode. We've kind of touched on this, but I want some details. I want specifics of your morning routine. The question is, let's say you've woken up on the wrong side of the bed one morning. What do you do that ensures that you'll bounce back and have an awesome day? Great question. Because that happens, you know, at least once or twice a week. There's really no way to avoid it for me. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just... Like it sounds simple, but a really good workout um, when you don't want to, a really good workout and, uh, and, and a meditation that's five minutes longer than it would normally be. Amazing. Yeah. Meditation really is so powerful, isn't it? It's, I, you know, it's, uh, for, it, it's hard to describe because when you first start, it's like, it's kind of hard to do, but it really, like it trains you to do so many things to be, be present in the moment, which is so important in your, it, it, for me, it always circles back to interactions because interactions are what drive your life in most cases. And it, it, when you're aware of what's going on, you're aware of the situation and you can understand yourself, your interactions are so much better. Yeah. hundred percent. What do you do when you meditate? Do you just do like a guided meditation or do you, you not listen I, to anything? I've tried a lot of things. Um, I've, I've, uh, most recently I've been doing these, uh, chakra clearing meditations and it sounds like, you know, all crazy spiritual, but really all it is, is you're visualizing your energy centers. Um, and mm-hmm. each one kind of has a different importance to your life. Like the first one is like about being grounded and feeling safe. And even when you're just visualizing that and it's a guided meditation, yeah, the voice is talking about it. You're actually thinking about being grounded and being safe. Whereas if you didn't do this meditation, you just threw yourself into the world. You didn't prepare yourself for things. So you're thinking about, you know, feeling safe and feeling grounded. And then you're feeling about, you're you're thinking about your creativity and all these things that you're being, making yourself aware of. You're like opening this energy. uh, And it, it puts you for me, at least it kind of like, I touch on all the important parts of how I, of what I need to be. uh, And I make myself aware of it and subconsciously it does something. So I've been doing that lately. Um, I think when I first started, I was using an app called Headspace, which kind of really it educates you on uh, the basis of meditation and, and why your mind does what it does and has the animations that teach you before you start, which is really helpful for beginners. So Headspace, it's an app you can try. Uh, and then another thing that I'm a big fan of is uh, it's not really technically meditation or well, technically, you know, yeah, whatever it is, what it is, but it's called priming. It's um 
Tony Robbins. Do you like Tony Robbins? Right? <laughs> went to a seminar a few months ago. I love him. Yeah, I just actually went to date with Destiny here in Florida. Oh my god! Okay, I want to do that one so badly. I went to Unleash the Power Within. It was like a four day one, but apparently, Date with Destiny is like the next level. Yeah, I went to UPW twice, and for me, that was like the best thing. Um, but it was it was better for you than Date with Destiny. It was better for me. Um, for certain people, I'm sure Date with Destiny would be better. For like UPW is more for like, you know, getting in the zone, getting your energy up and like, you know, feeling good and, and being able to get yourself in a peak state really quickly. Um, Date with Destiny is like, if you have like some, and, and, and most people do have like deep rooted problems or things in their past and, and, and they don't realize, you know, what their values and beliefs are. And if you have, you know, certain values, you can have inner conflicts all the time that cause you to be stressed out all the time. And, in certain cases, make you super de- depressed and even like suicidal if it's really bad. Um, and it, and you learn a lot about your your values and why you feel the way you feel, which is really cool. Uh, but I've I've I'm in a pretty good like headspace uh, personally, and like pretty you know I, I don't have too many of those problems to uncover on a personal level. So like I liked UPW better, mm-hmm. but David Destiny and it's long too, you know, six days. One of the days we were there until like three o'clock in the morning. It was insane. Wow. How does he still do it? He's literally, even his voice, he can't even yell anymore. He's he's totally crazy. I love him though. He's, he's awesome. He's an animal. He's up there for 16 hours straight and like he doesn't even pee. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know how, I, how does he not pee? It's crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, priming. So I know about priming, but what's the exact priming that you do? Um, well, if you YouTube it uh, and you put some headphones in, he kind of guides you. Uh, where you spend some time feeling your energy for like a couple minutes and then you think about moments that you feel grateful for. So, you know, you think about your family, things that really make you your, you start feeling really grateful. Um, and then there's a couple minutes of thinking about what you want to accomplish. And it really just, it primes your mind to go into the day. So that's, that's his theory on it. And it, it feels really refreshing when you're done. It's about 14 minutes long, 15 minutes long, something like that. Um, and afterwards, you just feel awake you feel you're more in a in a positive happy mindset and i mean it, it, it's it's definitely something that i i've shared with a lot of people mm-hmm. it's amazing when i meditate in the morning i'll envision my like i call her my like superwoman self and we talk about this on the podcast quite a bit and it's basically the version of myself that i really am working hard to become and it kind of just you know i i visualize myself already being her and, um, yeah, it's really, really powerful. So hell, that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. You need, you need to visualize that person you want to be your super, super woman girl. I love it. <laughs> super woman girl. Um, anyway, Jared, this is so fun talking to you. We should definitely do another podcast soon. Cause I think my listeners will absolutely love you. Awesome. Well, yeah, I had a great time. I appreciate you reaching out and, um, I would yeah, definitely love to do another one. Amazing. So where can um, the listeners find you, your socials, and what do you have going on? Yeah. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Jared Getz. That's J-A-R-E-D-G-O-E-T-Z. Um, my personal website is jaredgetz.com. Um, you know, if you go on Facebook, I'm on there. You can find me pretty easily. Um, and yeah, I would love to connect. Amazing. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Talk to you soon.